morning, everyone. Very good. We are glad that you're here today. Um, I'm Michael Longfellow. I get to preach once in a while. And uh, Pastor Michael normally gets to preach, so I get to preach uh, once whenever he lets me. And uh, so just to let you know, last time I was using my iPhone, and uh, I'm a little older. Uh, not than him, but uh, I, I'm just older. I just, so... So I was, I was walking and talking and trying to preach with my phone, and I, I didn't really, I lost a place a couple of times, so I'm using my iPad, so I'm a little more um, stationary today. Uh, but once again, we just want to welcome you. It's a great time to be in church. It's at that time of the season, um, and it, it just, it, it's a beautiful time of the season, one. But first, the last song we sang, Away in the Manager, um, just always brings back special memories for me. I'm originally from Kansas, and in Kansas, we always did the, the live nativity sets, you know, we would um, get in Maine somewhere in town, and we would build a little barn, and we'd bring cows and uh, donkeys and sheep and uh, no camels in Kansas. Uh, but we would get the little nativity set, and we would sing Christmas carols as people went by. And, and a lot of times people would wave, and once in a while you got flipped off. Uh, it just kind of uh, the wonderful season of the year. Uh, but the way of manger is always very special because it's also it got cold in Kansas, and it, was got, it got cold not like here, but I can remember... Um, just kind of hugging the sheep and trying to keep warm and going home and, and just smelling like sheep. Uh, not always a pleasant smell. Uh, but, but I love that song because this is a season that really it's not all out, as Mitch said in his uh, prayer and Steve also said, it's not about the gifts, it's not about that type of thing. It's about Christ coming into the world today uh, to build a relationship with you and I. Um, just to let you also know that we got done 10 minutes early in the first service. My sermon was only like 35 minutes uh, so, amen. Yeah, there's my boss right there. Um, but it was, uh, so if you want a shorter sermon, when I preach, first service is it. Uh, longer sermon is second service. Uh, no, oh, bless your hearts. Uh, <laughs> I really mean that. Uh, not really. Um, anyway, so we, we're going to kind of keep to uh, the point here, but uh, God became a person. God became a man. So Philippians chapter 2, 6 through 8 is our scripture. Uh, a very, very famous scripture, but a very powerful scripture as well. And this is what the scripture says. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God something to be clinged to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared a human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died as a criminal death on a cross. Jesus was and is God. He didn't cling to the advantages of the status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges that he had in the deity and the God form and came to be a person. He took the status of a slave. He took the status of becoming a human and becoming a person that he would be able to understand what you and I go through on a daily basis. He lived a selfless, obedient life, and he died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death is a crucifixion. It's interesting that... Um, uh, you know, I hear a lot of times, I wish God would communicate to me in different ways. Have, have you ever wished God would just say, would you maybe do a, uh, a, an airplane in the sky with a little message, hey, go to church today, or hey, uh, go visit someone. You know, I think each one of us has at some point in our time, our life, that we wish God would directly speak to our lives, speak to our hearts, to be able to understand what he wants in our lives. And as we look at this, you know, maybe he could have uh, developed cell phones earlier, and maybe he could have texted us the message, I love you. Maybe he could have been on the TV shows, hey, 
go to church, I love you, I want to learn more about you. But this is an interesting way that God chose to speak to you, to speak to me, in a, in a, in a bodily form, in a form that God became man. I want you to understand that there's several different ways. That the reason being that he became a man, I want to talk to you about those reasonings. Because a question that some of times my kids have asked me, and I've heard other people ask as well, what, what is Jesus, Jesus, who is 2,000 years ago, what impact does he have upon my life today? What, he did these things so long ago. How, does that, how is that relevant for my life? How is that um, compatible to what I'm going through today? And those are some things that I want to talk about because Christmas is not um, just about the gifts. Don't get me wrong. I love gifts. Uh, I, I, told, um, I always told my kids I'm not going to be like grandpa. Or grandpa. Uh, I'm not going to say, hey, I just want socks and underwear for, for Christmas. You know, my, every year you ask my dad, what do you want for Christmas? Oh, socks and underwear would be fine. And it's just kind of weird buying underwear for another guy. And, um, so, uh, and so Lori the other day asked me, hey, what do you want for Christmas? And it just automatically slipped out. I want socks and underwear. That's what I need. But then I also threw in tools. Throw some tools in there and, and we'll be good. But Christmas is about a time where people's hearts, if you're a believer or not a believer, where our hearts, people's hearts seem to be a little more open to, to the message of the gospel. People even, I think, subconsciously, maybe it's consciously, know that Christmas is about the time of the birth of a baby, not just the gifts. Even if you're not a believer, I think this is a time where people are really open to hear the message of what Jesus is all about and what Christmas is all about. So when we go to Walmart, there's going to be some very practical things in here I throw in because I just like practical things during sermons, that when we go to Walmart, we go to the grocery store, man, be a little extra nice to the cashiers, to the register people, to let them know that you as a Christian are able to to be able to be a little better of display. Now, we're going to talk about it a little more here in a few moments, but it's interesting that 2,000 years ago, the implication, to answer the question, what, what does Jesus have to do with your life today? 2,000 years, 2,000 years ago, he has everything to do with your life today. Everything that happened 2,000 years ago has have a huge implications and impact upon your life at this very moment. I want to let you know that... Um, the word Emmanuel means God, God be with us. Colossians chapter 1, 15 through 16 says this. Christ is the visible expression of the invisible God. God is the, Jesus, Christ is the visible expression of the invisible God. So when you see Jesus, when you look upon Jesus through the scriptures, when you are able to identify who he is, you're able to identify who God is. It's interesting, my son Spencer, who's in the Marines, uh, I texted him last night, I said, hey, you going to church today? Because I always like to hear the, how the, the Marine Service Corps um, services are, how they're different from ours, and what they talk about, and, and so on and so forth. And it's interesting, if you look at Spencer, him and I look relatively similar. We act alike, uh, we talk alike, there are a lot of representations between me and Spencer. So when you look at Spencer, you can see the representation of who his dad is, who I am. And it's the same image that when we look at Jesus, we see the image of God in the heavenly realms. Now here I want to take this to your point as well. When I look at you, or you look at me, guess who you should see? You should see Christ in my life. You should see I'm a, I'm a resemblance of my heavenly Father through my words, through my life, through my actions. So I want you to understand that when you see a Christian, you should have that ability to see Christ. When you see Christ, you see our heavenly Father up in heaven. Does that make sense? I feel like I'm in an HR meeting. Okay, does that make sense? 
All right, very good. Make sure you sign the document before you leave. Um, <laughs> just joking. Uh, I really am. Okay, so anyway, so Colossians talks about that. I, I like to look at Jesus, but uh, first of all, um, when we relate Jesus to God, we see that Christ is a person here on earth. He became a person, not a myth, not just a person, but a person that has everything, that every, every temptation, every desire, everything we've gone through, Jesus has gone through as well. Why did God become a baby? It's very interesting. Um, how many of you have ever been fear, fearful of God? Okay, I, I, I'll let you know. At one point in time, I, I was extremely scared of God. Um, I kind of had a mentality when I was younger that if you were a Christian and you sinned and all of a sudden you died before you were able to ask Jesus for forgiveness, you're going to go to hell. A kind of a legalistic idea, not about a relationship, but about keeping rules and regulation. You know, how many of us don't even like to talk to people about God? You know, some of us get nervous when we talk to people about God. We get nervous. How many of you get nervous if you pray? All right, not bad. How about if I asked you to come before the congregation and, and ask you, would you pray? Would you be nervous? There'd be a lot of people like, no, I'm sick that week. I'm busy. Something's going on. I, I know you would. And, uh, but no one's afraid of a baby. And here's the beautiful thing why Jesus came to this world, how God came to this world as a baby. Babies are beautiful, innocent little beings who are, who are harmless. They don't do anything to you. There's no, there's no reason to be scared of a baby. They're, 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 they're personable. They're, they're interactive. And they, it's a beautiful, beautiful sight. And so when you imagine God, the God of the universe, the one who brought the world into existence, he came to be a baby because he wanted to be able to be approachable to mankind. There are four reasons why God became a person. So first reason, God became a person so we could relate to him. I, I love to be able to relate people. I love to be able to relate to our Heavenly Father. So God came to us in a way that we could understand. If he wanted to communicate to certain, uh, th uh, if you want to communicate to certain people, you communicate the way they need to be communicated to. The Bible says that Jesus is like us. He was born like us. He, he, was, uh, he, he grew like us physically, spiritually, and socially. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted the way we are tempted. He also has the same needs and the same drives, the same desires, the same problems, uh, the same pressures, the same temptations of trials. As he reasons, as, as he reasons, he went through all so we could relate to him. Hey, I, I find it interesting the more, the older I get, the more I am relating to people. Uh, I'm going through a different season in my life. The older you get, you kind of just understand what's important and what's not important. And, and as we look at the scriptures, I want to tell you, I'm going to talk about some personal things in my life. But as we look at this, one thing I, I really venture towards, I, I desire, you know, it used to be when I was, when Lauren and I was younger, so on and so forth, gifts were the main thing about Christmas and just spending time together and, and having that interaction. But really, really what Christmas is about is us coming to know who Christ is and being a reflection of who God is. It's not about the gifts. Uh, don't get me wrong. We love gifts. Don't, it's not about the family time. We love the family times where families are able to come together. But it's really about knowing what Christ did for each one of us and having that relationship with him. Incarnation, the Latin verb means to make flesh, to be one. When we say that Jesus is God incarnate, we believe that the Son of God took a fleshly form. However, this happened in the womb with Mary, Jesus' earthly mother. It did not stop his deity. Although Jesus became fully human, he retained his status as God. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And once again, I, I have a little in my notes. I'm, I'm going to slow down, okay? Uh, I, I don't know if I'm going too fast, but we're going to slow down a little. So Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. 
Uh, I'm really trying to be better on not talking so fast. So Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. I, I, really, I really am. Um, for a child is this born to us, a son given to us, the government will rest on his shoulder, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In this verse, Isaiah sees a son that's to be born, and he is no ordinary son. He has extraordinary names, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, point to his deity, and taken together, the son being born and his names point to him being the God-man who is Jesus Christ. This incarnate displays the greatness of God. And here's the beautiful part about this scripture. Here's the wonderful thing about this. I want you to understand as we talk about the deity of God and what Jesus has gone through, each one of us were able to relate to Christ because he's gone through the same things, maybe not the exact same things, but he's been tempted and tested the way you and I have been tempted and tested. That's why he is so relatable. That's why he is so uh, uh, approachable on a daily basis because it's not this God, it's not this man who's never been through the things that we have been through, but it's one who's experienced the same things we've experienced. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 17 says this, Therefore it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. No matter what you're going through today, God understands because he has been there. There were times when Jesus was lonely. There were times when Jesus was tired, fatigued, and exhausted. There were times when he was under pressure and under stress. There were times when he was disappointed and he was misunderstood. There were times that he was criticized, mocked, and ridiculed. And also there were the times he was mistreated, abused, and tortured. Every single instance right there, I imagine you have gone through a similar circumstance where you may be mocked, you may be shamed, you may be judged, you may have gone through the same things that Jesus has gone through, and Jesus has gone through the same things you have gone through. That's where we're able to relate to our Heavenly Father. That's where we're able to say, hey, Jesus knows what I'm going through because he has gone through those things. Let me tell you, I know Christmas, Christmas is not always the most fun holiday of the year, is it? I mean, don't get me wrong, sometimes if you've lost a loved one, if you're going through difficult times, um, if your child is across seas or what, whatever is going on in your life, sometimes Christmas is not always the most best time of the world. There are, Christmas is sometimes a very lonely time, a very lonely time of a holiday where people feel isolated and alone. But I will tell you, my friends, as a church, this is where we, as a body of believers, should come together and circle those people and show them what love is all about and what Christ did for them. Even if you're a Christian, you still feel isolated. You still feel alone. You still feel like you're um, on your own sometimes. I remember laying in bed before, asking God the question, God, why am I here? God, what do you want to do in my life? What am I supposed to do? I've messed up God so many times. How can we get through this situation? And this is the scenario when God looks at us. He says, I've, in, I've given you my son. I've given you a new life, and this is what we are to do. God became a person so he could alert us to our problems. How many of you guys have problems? Okay, if you don't raise your hand, I'll point out some problems you have. Uh, so, not, not, well, I probably would. Um, no, but it's interesting. Each one of us has problems. Each one of us has gone through heartaches. We've gone through hardships, financial, and mental, stressful, whatever it is. Each one of us has gone through scenarios that we have problems. It's interesting. The scriptures are clear that every person alive has had a serious heart problem. If it's not fixed, it will lead to spiritual death. 
This is where I'm getting at. Even though Jesus came to earth to show us that he was like, we could relate to him, to love him, he also had an important purpose for coming. He knew that we had a serious and deadly problem that we couldn't fix ourselves. Jeremiah the prophet, he's also known the weeping prophet in the Old Testament, was so disheartened, so sad, because Israel had been unfaithful to God and following his word. They had forsaken God by worshiping Baal, an idol. This nation had deviated so far from God that they had broken the covenant and committed to him, causing God to withdraw his blessing. I don't know about you, this sort of sounds like America to me. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 says this, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? We have a heart issue, my friends. That is our, our major problem. I tell you, you don't have a financial problem. You don't have a job problem. You don't have uh, marital problems. You don't have, those are issues, those are symptoms. Really what you have, what, and I say we, that includes me, we have a heart problem. We really, really have a heart problem. The prophet's heart was broken over the way God's people had lost their commitment to loving God with all their hearts. How is your heart towards today? How is your heart towards God these days? As we look at the as we look at the scripture and we look at America, we look at the church today. I seriously want to ask you the question: How is your heart with God? Where is your heart with God? Here's just a few examples: a fickle heart. Now you move towards God's love and then love someone else or something else. A callous heart. You are mad at God and you can't get over it. A selfish heart. You are not, uh, your heart only has room for one person, and that's you. A lukewarm heart. We know what the scripture says about in, Re in Revelation. You are not hot or cold towards God. You're just lukewarm. You just go to church because it's a normal thing you got to do. Uh, how about a hard heart towards God? You want nothing to do with God. Stubbornness, rebelliousness. And that is some of the heart conditions. Maybe you're on fire for God. Maybe you're truly in passionate love with Him and that nothing else comes before Him. And you love Him with all your heart, you love Him with all your soul, and you love Him with all your mind. But majority of people, I believe, kind of fall into a point where we have the heart issue, whether we have a fickle heart, callous heart, selfish heart, lukewarm heart, uh, or a hard heart. And if you look at people today, I wonder if Christians, if Christians would truly, truly love people, if we would love them how God loves them, if we could help them change their hearts to the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And I think, I think we truly can, because when we look at their hearts, they have no idea normally that they have a heart issue, that they just have problems that have been added onto, and that's their issue. But if the heart is wicked and evil and who can trust their heart, it, it's kind of a scary thing. But here's some scriptures I want to be able to encourage you with. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 14, a tender-hearted person lives a blessed life, a hard-hearted person lives a hard life. Not only are you going to have a hard life, but the people you claim to love are going to have a hard life also because of your heart condition. Romans chapter 3, 10 through 12. I know we're going through a lot of scriptures. We'll get more, we'll get more commentary. As the scripture says, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away and have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. We are like the people of Jeremiah. We have seriously a heart condition that can only be solved by Jesus himself. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. God became a person who, so he could personally fix your problem. And the problem that you have today is your heart issue. That is our issue. 
In order to be able to receive a new heart, we must be able to understand what Jesus did for you and I. We must be able to understand that he was willing to die upon a cross for you and I to have an everlasting life. It's interesting to me as we look at this, as we see the, the implications of what Christmas is all about, a lot of people in the world today doesn't, don't think it's a really big idea that God becomes man. First of all, a lot of people don't believe in God or they don't think they do. But if you look at creation, the creation is crying out that there is a God. And if we look at the creation, we see that there is a God and we see that he wants to have a relationship with you and I. It's interesting. Uh, so 600 years ago, before Jesus was born, there was a scripture that was um, in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6, says this. It was 600 years before Jesus was uh, born. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrow, acquainted with deepest grief. He turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrow that weighted him down. And we thought his troubles was punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebelliousness, crushed for our sins, and was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. We've left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord has laid down all the sins of him upon him. Jesus is the great physician. In order to heal us, he had to go through a painful death for you and I to be able to be healed. Here's the interesting part. This is where I get really, really um, excited. I, I, I can say I used to like to go to the stores, but I don't like to go in stores anymore. It's just too stressful. Uh, you know, you go, you can't find what you want. It costs too much money. But normally when I go to store, and Lori will uh, know, I like to go to stores. I like to talk to people. I like to interact with people. I'll just strike up conversations with strangers, kind of see how they're doing. And Lori just wants, she's more of the person to get in, get out, let's go. But I'm the one there sitting talking. But as, I, as I've looked, I've, I've noticed that sometimes I don't think the church is always being the church. The church is not always going out there and showing people who Jesus Christ is through our lives. During the season, I want to be able to make sure I can captivate, capture this time where people's hearts are more open to hearing the gospel, to be able to be more open to, to be able to be giving and receiving. And as I look at our heart issues, I think some of us have had some callous hearts. I think some of us have had some issues where we don't think God can answer all our prayers. This is, what I, this is what I mean, that there are times that we have prayed for people and prayed for people and prayed for people, and there's like no answer. And so instead of continuing praying and waiting God's timing, we just stop praying. And I think there are times that we look at Paul's life in the New Testament, a guy that we never thought would be converted over to Christianity, that God did some miraculous things in his life and the world was changed because of the conversion of Paul. And I want you to understand that right now, just not because it's Christmas season, but if we are praying for people, if we have a heart for people's salvation, then we earnestly seek out God to, to restore that person to a relationship with Him. I think sometimes we give up too fast and too easy. That that person will never convert, they'll never become a Christian, so why bother? Let's just pray for our food. Let's just pray for our safety. Let's pray, pray for our travels. And let's pray for the animal when they die. It's kind of a lot of Christians' prayer life right there. And I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not. But if you want to see someone in your life changed, do you know what you need to do? You need to search out the Father for that person. 
So with this, as, as we talk about this, this is, I, I don't want to, I, I may get emotional, so forgive me. Um, when I was a kid, when I was a high school kid, I, I wasn't a rebellious kid. I, I, didn't, I didn't go out drink, I wasn't partying, I, didn't, I broke my curfew once or twice. Uh, but my life, my mom and dad asked me to promise never to rebel against them, and I just, I made that promise. I said, mom and dad, I'm not going to, I won't rebel. And so during that time, uh, and Lori Jane's the same way, she didn't go through a rebellious period either. So with a heart issue, it's very hard for me to understand rebelliousness. I don't understand not keeping rules, not keeping the straight and the narrow. Uh, my mom and dad were very authoritative. Um, but I respected them. I now am living in a situation where, where some of my kids are an act of rebellion, where they've chosen to go against the rules and the regulations. And, and I don't mean a legalistic system, but just doing what's right and doing what's wrong. And I don't understand why they make the decisions that they do. Life, life would be easier if you keep to the scriptures. And the whole act of rebellion, the, the heart issue, whatever it is, you're choosing to reject God. You're choosing to reject family for your own right to be able to say you're an adult or whatever it is. The heart issue, I, I didn't understand it with God, how he could say that we're rebellious because I'm a rule keeper. You don't lie. You don't steal. You're there on time, whatever. But I have to understand that my sin is the same as the sin of everyone else's who I think is rebellion against God. And when I see that picture, I can see how my heart becomes hard against God. Because I am putting myself on the, on the throne and not living in judgment with God. This whole idea of the heart is wicked and evil and who can trust it, I truly understand that scripture. And I, under, I don't understand why we are doing some of the things we are doing in my family. But I understand that there is hope. And no matter how long it helps, no how long it takes, I will pray and pray and pray. And maybe you have family members who are rebellious also. And you can tell me stories. Well, I was rebellious for 10 years and I finally came to the Lord. And I, I don't want to be sarcastic, but my heart, I, I, I'm sarcastic sometimes. <laughs> and I want to say, that's, praise the Lord that God brought you back. You know, because when Michael preached a sermon about the prodigal son and the father, you know, you have the father on the porch, sorry, waiting for the kid to come home. I want to be like that guy. I want to be waiting and watching. I don't want to be building walls.
Romans chapter 3 or 6, 23 says this. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Death is alluding to life for us to live separately from God. The consequences of a serious heart condition are eternal in nature. Meaning that if you do not have Christ in your life, you do not have eternal life with our Heavenly Father. God became a person. He could personally fix our problems. As I asked you already before, He's already picked, fixed our problems. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. When our hearts were at the worst, Jesus showed His love. While we were still sinning, God loved us. His life was an exchange for our life, His heart for our life, His shame for our forgiveness. God came to demonstrate His great love for us by fixing our heart problem. Through giving up His life on the cross, by showing that His great love for us every day. He was mocked, ridiculed, and made fun of. He was slapped, slugged, spit upon. He had his back torn to shreds and his side pierced with a sword. But he did this for a relationship with you and a relationship with me. Amen. That we can be able to claim that we have a new heart in Jesus. No, don't get me wrong. There is still, as a Christian, it's still life is hard, but you have the fulfillment. You have the Holy Spirit in your life to be able to get you through those situations, to be able to live victorious every single day. And that is the beautiful thing about Christmas season is God becoming man and us recognizing this man that he is God and accepting him as our Lord and Savior. Here's the thing. God became a person so we could receive salvation and eternal life. The, the reason why you are here today, the reason why you're here on this earth today is to be loved by God and to love God. That is the reason why you were here. It's not to make a lot of money. It's not to have a great job. Don't get me wrong. Those things are wonderful and beautiful. It's not to have a great family. Those things are great. But really, it's to be loved by God and you to love God. That's why we are called here to be believers in Jesus Christ. The scripture tells us Jesus died on the cross and enables us to have a new heart. He's the great physician. We have a heart transplant. He takes out the old stubbornness. How many of you are stubborn? If you don't raise your hand, you're stubborn. All right, I'm just joking. How many of you are selfless? selfless? Lukewarm heart gives us a new heart. The heart is a heart, a heart, new heart that we receive from him. With this new heart, you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. Romans chapter 10. Let's go to the scripture. I love this scripture. Romans chapter 10, 9 through 10 says this. This is why you are here. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you don't even, this is your first time to church and I'm kind of scaring you. And, and that's okay, we will talk later. You know, not all sermons are this emotional. Um, but the Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, from the dead you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. It is, amen. It's not about rules and regulations with God. It's about a personal relationship with our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. It's saying, Lord, I have a wicked and evil heart. Who can trust my heart? But I want to be saved. And what you must do is just call upon the name of the Lord. And when you pray, you may not know what to say. And guess what? That's a beautiful thing. When you pray earnestly from your heart, when you earnestly pray from the depths of your soul, Lord, I am a wicked person. I'm a wretched man. And I just want to 
to be saved. I don't want to go to hell. I want to be with you forever and ever. I want a relationship with you. That is sometimes the most beautiful prayers rather than us find, find people that know exactly how to pray. I still am trying to learn how to pray with God. I'm still trying to learn how to pray in front of people too. But here's the beautiful thing. If you've never accepted him as your Lord and Savior, all you have to do is ask him to come into your life. Come into your life and make you a new person and make you his son or your, his daughter in the kingdom of God. Are you going to struggle with things in life still? I'm, you are. Are you still going to struggle with relationships? You will. Are you still going to have financial issues? Yes. But the beautiful thing is, you are a new creation in our Father's eyes, and you're a new creation in the kingdom's eyes, and you're a new creation in our lives. Maybe you've been a Christian for a while. Maybe you've already made that decision, but your heart is kind of, we've talked about the heart condition. Maybe this is the time that you renew your relationship with God today. Maybe this is the time that you get on fire for God once again. You know, I, I love how God associates our relationship so much with marriage. And just to take you back for a moment, gentlemen, I'll talk to you guys for a second. Do you remember when you were pursuing your wife who wasn't your wife at that moment? You would do anything and everything for her. You would open the doors for her. You would open, uh, pull her seat out for her. You would speak with respect to her. You would do all the things that you're supposed to do when you're pursuing a woman. And what happens after the years? Sometimes we get a little <clears throat> lazy. <coughs> Sometimes we get a little busy. Sometimes we don't always think about our spouse. I want to encourage you, as in our relationship with our Heavenly Father, in the very beginning, there are some people that were so on fire for God that they evangelized every single person they came in contact with. They prayed with people who were sick they didn't even know. They were on fire for our Heavenly Father. And then after some years, the hardships that went by, they kind of got a little more mellow. In my life, I don't like mellow. Mellow is like vanilla. It just doesn't, it's not right. We are supposed to be passionate about everything we do. So here's the thing, gentlemen. Romance your wife. Love your wife. Pursue your wife. Same thing, ladies, with your husband. Same thing with God. Pursue God with everything you have. Put him first and foremost in all your relationships and everything else will fall in line. My friends, I want to tell you that our hearts can only be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit by asking Christ to come into our lives and reign over our lives. We will have hardships, we will have heartaches, but we know that we are not alone because who Christ is. You know, on the back of your bulletins, there's a place for new visitors, there's a place for for, for information. And I'm going to ask you, if you've never made that decision to follow Christ and you want to today, you can, there'll be people over here at the prayer table, and maybe that's a little too intimidating to, to come over here and pray with someone you don't know. But maybe if you could just put your name and new information, on the information, just new or want to accept Christ, and I will guarantee you, Steve, Michael, or myself will call you, and we will talk to you about accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior. I, 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 I would say don't wait. 
Don't leave this service without committing your life over Christ is that, if that's what you want to do. This is the time to make that decision to follow him, to understand what Christmas is all about. If you want to pray, have people pray for your spiritual life and pray that God will intervene and make you passionate once again for our Heavenly Father, then I encourage you to grab someone in the service, grab someone over the prayer table and pray with that person that what you need in your life, in your, in your spiritual life. My friends, I, I will tell you, this is the thing that just, there are so many times that we have, we have great services, we have great messages that are being preached, and it doesn't seem like anyone makes a decision. It just seems like it's 12 o'clock. It's time for chicken. <laughs> it's time for enchilada. What are you doing for lunch today? I don't, whatever you're doing, but it's almost like as soon as the sermon is over, instead of making that decision for Christ, we just leave. Instead of making a decision that we're going to change our lives, we just go because we want to beat everyone else to the restaurants. My friends, don't, don't deny yourself that decision to make. <coughs> don't deny yourself accepting Christ because he will change everything in your life. We will have time to do lunch and dinner later. We don't have time to do, make the major decisions until now. We, today we have communion. So communion is a very, very important aspect in the Christian life. As we talked about Jesus coming into the world as born as a baby, he was raised for 33 years. He, he, was, he, he grew for 33 years. He died. His body was shed upon the cross. His blood poured out. The, the bread represents his body. The juice represents his blood. This is a time that we examine our lives to see how we need to get closer to God. Repent of the things that are in our lives. Repent, as Michael said, is changing the mind, but it's also changing the action as well. We need to change our lives wherever our heart is callous and renew it once again. Amen. This is a beautiful time if, as, this, as this section here comes around both sides of the table and you guys go around and if you're alone, grab another person. You say, hey, Michael said I can grab you. We're praying together. All right, give them, blame it on me. You can do that. You, you, people, you people over here, you guys coming around, both, both sides, make it a little quicker. Uh, make sure you guys pray together as a family, pray together, uh, wh whatever you need to do. And come back so we can join together to be able to do a closing song. But I will tell you, my friends, that Christmas is a reason. Christmas is about Jesus coming to be with you and I. That's what Christmas is all about. It's about the birth of Jesus. And then eventually, Easter will come too. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for the day. I thank you, Lord, for this congregation. Lord, I thank you for each person that is here. And Lord, wherever they are in life today, I pray, God, that you are with them. And we know that you are here. But I pray, God, that they will feel your presence, that they will hear and, and sense your presence, God. I pray, my Father, you speak to us. Lord, I pray, Lord, I pray so, so mightily that you will speak to our spirit. Lord, let us be a reflection of who you are. I pray, God, for our new heart, for those who do not have the relationship with you, Jesus. I pray, my Father, just for us older people who have been a Christian for a while, Lord, renew our spirits, Lord. Renew our passion, renew our zeal for who you are. Lord, thank you for your death. I thank you, God, for dying upon the cross for me and for my brothers and sisters in the world, Lord. And Lord, thank you for being patient. Thank you, Lord for allowing us to have that time to accept you as our Lord and Savior. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat>